So, I mean, what made you go into voice acting as well after sound design? Did you, because obviously you got involved through sound design, you did a bit of voice acting, didn't you? And then was that so what I, kicked it off? Or? You too will be a voice actor, as you will soon find out. What happens is that when you're in the sound department and you're there and you're a warm body, if they need uh, a temp track just to test lip sync or animation or whatever, or to test a, a cutscene, or it's just faster for you to go in and do creature design, you will get thrown in the booth. And you will get comfortable with it, and you will get over it. Just like I don't know a single sound designer who hasn't had to do some sort of VO. I mean, it's not necessarily shippable either because of union rules. Like if you've got, if you're doing a union signatory game, meaning everyone and everyone who does a vocal performance in the game has to be a union member, which sadly also includes sound designers. Can't do stuff like creature VO. It's dumb. But you know, up until that point, you will be doing stuff with your mouth in the booth. So from the beginning of my career because I, you know, I, I volunteered maybe stupidly. I just got picked on a lot for like, Oh yeah, we need some stuff. We'll just throw Frida in there. Even before I was an audio formally. So unbeknownst to me, that was all training. Yeah. I got like 12 straight years of just being really comfortable being in the booth and it not being a big deal. And that's, I think the first thing maybe a lot of people get over if they're not from a theater performing background is the idea that when you're doing VO, you have to pretend that there aren't, you know, seven people listening to you or watching you or scrutinizing you. They, they don't there, they don't exist, they don't matter until they give you direction. But you can't let that affect your performance. That idea is very terrifying to a lot of people. And I just kind of, I don't know, it doesn't affect me. And I think that's just directly because of video games. So just by being a warm body and being capable, I start off with a typical effort. Sounds like death and pain and all that fun stuff, which is, it's just fun to scream. So it, it just becomes, it's part of sound design culture, really. It's really connected. So it was a natural transition for me. And then also, I just over the years kind of noticed, I always felt like a bit of an odd bird as a sound designer. There were things about me that were sort of like red flags of maybe I'm not as committed as I would like to be. And things that, I've just never been one of those sound designers where I was like, you know what, I was just out and I thought, oh, I just have to capture this this breeze with my Zoom. I just have to, I have to record this wind. I've never had... I've never had any passion whatsoever for individual isolated sounds as assets that are abstract. It's sort of like postmodern painting to me. It just kind of serves no purpose. Whereas I'm an extremely reactive brain. If I see, if you show me an animation for a creature or something, I immediately know how it sounds. That's the easy part. The hard part is now I have to make what I hear in my head real and make it tangible so I can communicate it to you. This is my idea because this is what I hear in my head. No, this is what I hear in my head. And I'm the same way with characters. I always have been. Just reading scripts and getting an idea and a feel for the story and all that stuff. I'm like, yeah, I already know how this person sounds. And of course, like with anything, you have to be flexible, especially if you're working with a creative team or someone else's property. But I'm reactive that way and passionate about sound that way. I've just never wanted to bless the guys that go out, like name Frank Bry and Chuck Russum and Tim Preble, all those guys that go out say, I'm going to record seals. Tim Purple did this really great New Zealand sea lion walrus library, which is amazing for creature design, by the way. But I've just never had a hair up my butt to do it, which I think is just lacking. So I, I always thought, you know, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not a full-blown sound designer. Maybe they were right in asking me which what I wanted to, to do. And then the other aspect is also I've never had a passion. You know, if, if it's a late Friday night, I'll probably start I don't know, I'm going through all of X-Files right now. I'll probably dork out and um, read a book or watch X-Files or whatever. I don't want to read tech manuals. And that's another extremely important building block of becoming a sound designer is depending on how much audio programmer support you get, 
you have to go out of your way to get very comfortable with tech manuals. And I just didn't have it in me to do it. And I don't chalk it up to being lazy. It's just not fun for me personally. So I've kind of had to make amends with, with my personal preferences because you can only excel at what you're happy doing. So whereas with VO, I've never, I've never stalled. I've never questioned it. I've never been like, yeah, I could, you know, I could make voices in the mic or I could do something else. Never crossed my mind. 